Hello, this is Father John Arthur Orr, Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 64th installment, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body, 133 presentations made by Pope John Paul II during the five years 1979 through 1984. We are indebted to Professor Michael Waldstein, whose edition we are using. Chapter 3, Christ Appeals to the Resurrection, the Resurrection of the Body as a reality of the future world. The synoptics, he is not God of the dead, but of the living. The third part of the triptych. Today we take up again, after a rather long pause, the meditations we have been presenting for quite a while, which we have defined as reflections on the theology of the body. As we continue, we should go back to the words of the gospel in which Christ appeals to the resurrection, words that have a fundamental importance for understanding marriage in, a, in the Christian sense, and also the renunciation of conjugal life for the kingdom of heaven. The complex casuistry of the Old Testament in the field of marriage moved not only the Pharisees to go to Jesus to set before him the problem of the indissolubility of marriage, see Matthew chapter 19 verses 3 through 9, Mark chapter 10 verses 2 through 12, but on another occasion, the Sadducees, to ask him about the law of so-called Levrite marriage. This dialogue is reported in similar ways by the synoptics. See Matthew chapter 22, verses 24 through 30, Mark chapter 12, verses 18 through 27, Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 40. Although the three redactions are nearly identical, one nevertheless notices some differences between them that are slight, but at the same time significant. A deeper analysis is required, since the dialogue is reported in three versions, those of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and inasmuch as its contents have an essential meaning for the theology of the body. Next to the two other important dialogues, namely, the one in which Christ appeals to the beginning, see Matthew chapter 19 verses 3 through 9, Mark chapter 10 verses 2 through 12, and the other in which he appeals to man's innermost being to the heart while indicating the reductive desire and concupiscence of the flesh as a source of sin, see Matthew chapter 5 verses 27 through 32. The dialogue that we propose to analyze now is, I would say, the third component of the triptych of Christ's own statements, the triptych of words that are essential and constitutive for the theology of the body. In this dialogue, Jesus appeals to the resurrection, thereby revealing a completely new dimension of the mystery of man. The revelation of this dimension of the body stupendous in its content and yet connected with the gospel re-read as a whole and in depth, emerges in the dialogue with the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, Matthew chapter 22 verse 23. They came to Jesus to present to him an argument that in their judgment showed the reasonableness of their position. This argument was supposed to contradict the hypothesis of the resurrection. The reasoning of the Sadducees is the following. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if 
a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Mark chapter 12 verse 19. Here the Sadducees appeal to the so-called Levite law. See Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10. And by attaching themselves to the prescription of this ancient law, they present the following case. There were seven brothers, the first married, and when he died, left no children. And the second married her and died, leaving no children. And the third likewise, none of the seven left children. Last of all, the woman herself died. In the resurrection... When they will rise, whose wife will she be? For the seven had married her. Mark chapter 12, verses 20 through 23. Christ's answer is one of the key answers of the gospel, in which, taking purely human arguments as a point of departure, and in contrast to them, he reveals another dimension of the question, one that corresponds to the wisdom and power of God himself. In a similar way, the gospel presents the case of the tax coin with Caesar's image and the correct relation between what is divine and what is human in the realm of power belonging to Caesar. See Matthew chapter 22 verses 15 through 22. This time Jesus answers as follows. Is not this the reason you are wrong, that you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they take neither wife nor husband, but are like angels in heaven. Mark chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. This is the fundamental reply to the case, that is, to the problem contained in it. Since he knew the ideas of the Sadducees and saw their real intentions, Christ immediately afterward takes up again the problem of the possibility of the resurrection denied by the Sadducees. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the story about the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not God of the dead, but of the living. Mark Chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. As one can see, Christ quotes the same Moses to whom the Sadducees appealed. And he ends by saying, you are quite wrong. Mark chapter 12, verse 27. Christ makes this concluding statement a second time. In fact, the first time he makes it at the beginning of his explanation. He says at that point, you are wrong because you know neither the scripture nor the power of God. This is the version in Matthew chapter 22 verse 29. In Mark we read, is this not the reason you are wrong that you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? Mark chapter 12 verse 24. In Luke chapter 20 verses 27 and 36, by contrast, Christ's corresponding answer lacks the polemical tone of you are quite wrong. On the other hand, he proclaims the same thing inasmuch as he introduces into the answer some elements found neither in Matthew nor in Mark. Jesus said to them, the sons of this age take wife and take husband, but those who are considered worthy of the other world and the resurrection from the dead take neither wife nor husband. Indeed, they cannot die any more because they are equal to the angels, and being sons of the resurrection, they are sons of God. Luke chapter 20, verses 34 through 36. 
with respect to the very possibility of the resurrection, Luke, like the other two synoptics, appeals to Moses, that is, to the passage in Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 through 6, which tells the story that the great legislator of the Old Covenant had heard the following words from the bush that burned with fire but was not consumed. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. In the same place when Moses asked the name of God, he heard the reply, I am who am. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. In this way, when he speaks about the future resurrection of the body, Christ appeals to the very power of the living God. In our next meeting, we will have to consider this point in more detail. And with these words, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, concluded his 64th Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. This catechesis begins the third chapter of the first part of this magnum opus. The first part of the theology of the body focuses on the words of Christ. What did Jesus Christ say while amongst us on the face of this earth? The second part of the theology of the body focuses on the sacrament of holy marriage, matrimony. The first chapter of the first part focuses our attention on Christ's words appealing to the beginning when the pharisees asked the question is moses permitted a decree of divorce jesus says that it was because of the hardness of your hearts in the beginning it was not that way god created the male and female and for this reason a man leaves his father and his mother and he clings to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and with those words our holy father begins to discuss the original innocence, the original justice, the original unity, the original holiness of man, the spousal meaning of the body. He also addresses original sin with its consequences, suffering and death, ignorance, and that tendency to sin which is concupiscence. In the second chapter, which we completed last time, Christ appeals to the human heart. He calls us to be pure of heart. He says, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. I say, whoever looks with the disordered desire has already committed adultery in the heart. Today, we begin the third chapter of this first part of the theology of the body, man and woman, he created them. And John Paul II turns our attention to the words of Christ where the Lord appeals to the resurrection. So for several of our next presentations, we will be treating that text, the various catechesis which the Holy Father based upon that text, Christ's appeal to the resurrection. While we heard from Pharisees earlier, it was the Sadducees who asked this question, they who were denying the resurrection of the body. They asked a question about this one woman who married seven brothers sequentially, one after the other dying, leaving no heir, leaving no offspring. And the Sadducees' sad question, their trick question, trying to trip up the Lord, whose wife will she be? She married all seven. And the Lord Jesus Christ, victor over sin and death, the cross and the grave, bridegroom of Mother Church, he reminds the Sadducees that in heaven we are neither given nor taken in marriage. This will be the basis of the teaching in this third chapter of the first part of the theology of the body. The Holy Father gives us three headings 
in this 64th Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. The first heading is the resurrection of the body as a reality of the future world. The second one, the synoptics, He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And the third heading, the third part of the triptych. So before getting into the meat of the actual catechesis, it'd be good to look at those headings. The resurrection of the body as a reality of the future world, in light of the words Jesus Christ spoke to the Sadducees about how we are neither given nor taken in marriage in heaven, takes on a whole new light. The Holy Father is speaking about eschatology, about the end things, not just death and judgment, but heaven and hell. In heaven, we are neither given nor taken in marriage. And so we're looking at the resurrection of the body as a reality of the future world. We will have our bodies in the next life. This self-same body, which is now living and alive, which will be buried, which will decay and turn to dust. Our faith is that on the last day, the Lord Jesus will raise it up, even as he has been raised on the third day from his terrible passion. He was raised from his grave. And so for us Christians, the grave is a sign of hope, the place of our resurrection. We pray for God's mercy. When the Holy Father gives us a heading about the synoptics, those are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the four evangelists in the New Testament of the Gospels, sacred scripture, the synoptics have the Lord Jesus saying words to the effect that he is not God of the dead, but of the living. So this in the face of those who deny, who doubt, who disbelieve the reality of the resurrection of the body, who were so fixated only on the here and now, forgetting the here after. So the Holy Father will draw that out and its various implications. The third heading in this 64th Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, a theology of the body, is very cryptic. In a sense, it says the third part of the triptych. Well, who knew that we were having a triptych? Until I read this, I did not know. But having read this, now I know. The third chapter is the third part of the triptych. A triptych is a three-panel picture, a central panel and one on the left and one on the right. It's a very classic form of iconography a sacred Christian art. So we remember the first chapter, Christ appeals to the beginning. The second chapter, Christ appeals to the human heart. The third chapter, Christ appeals to the resurrection. This is the third part of the triptych. Pope John Paul II is using artistic language to speak about his magnum opus, his great work, not in stone or in glass, but with pen and ink, a work which is an attempt to understand in light of revelation, the reality of the human person who is both body and soul. And that this 64th catechesis identifies the third chapter of the first part as the third part of the triptych. This reminds us of the last piece of poetry which Pope John Paul II published before he died in the odor of sanctity on the 2nd of April, 2005. It was entitled Roman Triptych. So perhaps the theology of the body, man and woman, he created them, was the Krakow Triptych, since he came to Rome with text in hand, parceling it out week by week over those five years. Just a thought. In the heart of this 
64th Catechesis, the Holy Father identifies two groups of contemporaries of the Lord Jesus during his earthly public ministry. The Pharisees, whom we met in the second chapter, when Christ appealed to our hearts to not even look with lust or a disordered desire upon the other. The Pharisees were asking questions about indissolubility, whether it was permissible to have a decree of divorce. I remember an interaction with one young man, and he said, Oh, I'm not going to talk to the Catholic Church about marriage and divorce and remarriage. There's so many rules in the Catholic Church. But the trouble is, this is right off the lips of Jesus. The Pope didn't make this stuff up. The bishop didn't make it up. I didn't make it up. The priest don't. This is red-letter stuff if you have a Bible that has the words of Jesus in red. In point of fact, all of sacred scripture is the word of the Lord. But sometimes the Gospels are even giving us the word out of the horse's mouth, as it were. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. So the Lord Jesus reminds the Pharisees of the original unity of the couple. He does not use the $5 word, indissolubility, which means it does not dissolve. Like a bouillon cube or a sugar cube or an Alka-Seltzer, they all dissolve. But marriage, rightly entered into, that sacred contract, is what God has joined which no man, woman, or state are to put asunder. The second group, which Pope John Paul II introduces us to in this 64th Catechesis, are the Sadducees. I remember a Sunday school song about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. I don't want to be a Pharisee, because they're not fair, you see. I don't want to be a Sadducee. Because they're sad, you see. We did not sing that at my Sunday school, but I knew some neighbors who did. The Sadducees, as treated by Pope John Paul II in the 64th Catechesis, they're asking a question about Levrite marriage. In the Old Testament, if a man did not leave an heir, a child, offspring, to help with his widow to have a livelihood, the brother of the deceased was to marry her and try And so the question of the Sadducees presented in the 64th Catechesis is the heart of this third chapter, the third part of the triptych. The Holy Father gives us the verses, the citations in the synoptics, Matthew chapter 22, verses 24 through 30, Mark chapter 12, verses 18 through 27, and Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 40. These are parallel passages. The synoptics have the same view, the same vision, even if it's not chapter per chapter or verse by verse. Those three pericopes, those three sections of those Gospels are parallel. One will have one insight which the others don't, and the Holy Father will address those. But perhaps there was more than one group of Sadducees which addressed the Lord Jesus during his earthly ministry. We know when we read... uh, one newspaper and then another, or listen to one television report and then another, we get different insights which we're able to glean. And so too the inspired sacred authors are able to bring their divinely inspired insights to bear. Pope John Paul II says that these three passages from Matthew, Mark, and Luke are essential, and they have essential meaning for the theology of the body. 
That is, if we don't know them, if we don't understand them, we cannot understand the theology of the body. And if we cannot understand the theology of the body, we cannot understand ourselves because we are bodily creatures. I am not just my body. I am not just my soul. I'm a body-soul composite, and my body is part of the good creation, as is my soul. Both are redeemed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. When his body and soul were separated, but on Easter they were reunited, and he dies no more. He lives forever, and we live and move and have our being in him. Him who says, in heaven we are neither given nor taken in marriage. The Lord Jesus rebukes the Sadducees, says, you got it wrong. You're not on the right track. That they came to him with the question, that was very good, if it was asked sincerely. Blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman, whom Pope Benedict XVI beatified in the year 2010, is famous for pointing out that a thousand questions do not a single doubt make. It's not a sin for us to ask questions. But we can ask a question sinfully, as we can observe in the Gospel of St. Luke, when the Archangel Gabriel addresses Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, and he also addresses the Virgin Mary, Jesus Christ's mother. Both Zechariah and the Virgin Mary asked their questions, but one was asked with sincerity, how can this happen? I do not know man. And Zechariah said, how can this happen? I'm so old. One was asked without faith, without belief in the all-powerful God, able to do what he says he will do. We want to understand our bodiliness because that's part of how God made us. And part of understanding our bodiliness is that we will rise on the last day. We will be brought to the very presence of God. The third component of this triptych, the Roman triptych before the poetic Roman triptych, the third component of Christ's own statements these words are essential and constitute the theology of the body because it's a question about heaven and earth, about marriage and celibacy. In heaven, there is no giving or being taken in marriage. The marital sexual relationship is for the here and now that those who profess those vows and live in holy marriage might get to heaven well with each other's help and God's grace. And those who, for the sake of the kingdom, renounce holy marriage, they too might live by God's grace, finding their way to heaven which they anticipate by their celibate chastity here on earth. Pope John Paul continued his 64th catechesis by teaching that Jesus appeals to the resurrection, thereby revealing a completely new dimension of the mystery of man. To speak of the mystery of man is to be reminded that we there is more t than meets the eye. To say that the Lord Jesus has revealed a new dimension of the mystery of man means that revelation had not yet completely divulged the mystery of the resurrection. And the Lord Jesus reveals the mystery of the resurrection of man, a part of the mystery of man, even before his own resurrection. When he says, in heaven they are neither given nor taken in marriage, that way the question of the Sadducees is a nonsensical question, whose wife will she be? Jesus explicitly speaks to us of the life to come, that is, the future world, that is, the eschatological dimension of our future reality, life on high with Christ Jesus all his holy ones, all the blessed, all the saints. 
Jesus appeals to the resurrection, even as earlier he had appealed to the human heart, even as he had earlier appealed to the beginning. Here we see this triptych of the Holy Fathers coming together in a very beautiful way. The Sadducees are those who say there is no resurrection. We learn about that in the 22nd chapter of St. Matthew, verse 23. That's the verse just before their question, whose wife will she be? How sad to not look forward to life on high with Christ. We hope to spend all eternity with God in heaven, and we can live by his grace, seeking and receiving his mercy in the here and now, that we need not have sadness in the here and now or in the hereafter. The Sadducees were focused only on the first five books of sacred scripture, the books of Moses, the Torah, the law. And so Jesus reminds them that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob are all spoken of because they are one God by Moses, who received revelation specifically when he saw the burning bush. It was God who said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God said this to Moses. This is our Lord Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, appealing to the divine Word in revealed Scripture, the divine Word which his audience then, the Sadducees, would have accepted. He played their own game. And he not only appealed to the resurrection in this passage, but then... On the third day after his own passion, he rose from the dead. Having lived a life of celibate chastity on this side, he now lives on high, that life where none are given nor taken in marriage. Yet mysteriously, Christ remains bridegroom of Mother Church, whose sons and daughters we are by grace and faith and baptism. Pope John Paul II, twice in the 64th Catechesis, speaks to the reason of the Sadducees, their reasonableness, their reasoning. If there is no resurrection of the dead, if this lady married all seven brothers, how could she be married to all seven at the same time? Wouldn't that be polyandry? Isn't that a sin? Multiple husbands at the same time? And our Lord answers their reasoning, which disallows the resurrection of the body by filling in the blanks. From one who has been there, no one has seen the Father except the one who has descended. He is the same who has ascended to our Father, to his Father, to the Eternal Father, the Father of mercies. Seven brothers sequentially marry the same lady, having no children. Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Seems a reasonable question if there is no resurrection. And so our Lord speaks to the fact, what is it to be like in the world to come, in the hereafter? In heaven there is neither giving nor taking in marriage. And the Lord says to them, he who is the way, the truth, and the life, you are wrong. And whenever we sin, we are wrong. Whenever we refuse the original unity, whenever we refuse to look with modesty and chastity and purity of heart upon the other, we too are wrong. What is it which will set us free? The truth will set us free. The truth about ourselves, the truth about God, the truth about the body, 
the truth about holy marriage, the truth about the life on high, the life to come with Christ and all his holy ones, the saints in heaven. Pope John Paul II is just beginning now this third chapter, the third part of his Krakow triptych, The Theology of the Body. Indeed, not the poetic Roman triptych, although there is a beautiful artistry about his labors here in his magnum opus, Men and Woman, He Created Them. But you and I are an even greater work, fashioned by the very hand of God, hidden within our mothers for the first so many months of our being, and what we shall be has not yet come to pass. But then we shall see him as he is face to face, even as we now behold him dimly as in a mirror. It seems that if we are faithful to the teaching found in Pope John Paul II's theology of the body, man and woman, he created them, we shall behold him, the Lord Jesus, face to face, together with all the blessed, all the holy ones. And after all, that is why God made us and redeemed us. Until next time, God bless you.